0: So yesterday there was this thing that came out in the sky, it was, it was round and yellow, and when I saw it, I had to shield my eyes from it, because I hadn't seen it a while. Anybody feel like, we love the snow, but the gray's got to go? Anybody, like, okay. Um. <laughs> and that's not unconnected to our message this morning. Because some of you had to put on sunglasses yesterday for the very first time in a while, correct? Because there was some vitamin D coming through and you didn't know what to do with it. And your eyes especially didn't know what to do with it. I see some people wearing glasses here this morning. And uh, as we've been going through this series this year, we've been talking about the Bible. We've been talking about how do you read the Bible? How do you hear the word of God? How do you listen to God's word, his, his scripture, the word to us, written down for us? How do we do that? one of the things that I've been doing each week is giving you a tip. And, and the tip is connected to the sunshine and your sunglasses and uh, whatever glasses you might wear if you have them. And the listening to the Bible tip of the week is this. Read with Jesus colored lenses. Read your Bible with Jesus Colored lenses. We'll circle back to this at the end of the sermon, but I want to make sure that you get this. When you read the Bible, it's really important to put what we'll call your Jesus colored sunglasses on. Okay. As if you were going out in the bright sunshine and you needed some sunglasses, we want to read the Bible through a specific perspective. And that is through Jesus perspective. We want to see where we can see Jesus in the text. I'll circle back that to that at the end of Of the sermon this morning, our misquoted verse of the week is this: Second Assumptions, nine, verse sixteen. We've been talking about verses that you think are in the Bible, but that are not in the Bible. And the verse this morning is this, God works in mysterious ways, right? Or maybe you've heard it this way, God moves in mysterious ways. Or maybe you heard you Too sing, sing it, but it's not God. It's she moves in mysterious ways, right? You've heard that? Okay, I was tempted to like play that as I walked up. Anybody have heard this? God works in mysterious ways. Anybody? Be honest with me. Some of us think maybe that was in the Bible. You're like, there's got to be a verse where it says Jesus works in mysterious ways, right? Well, it's not there. So we've been talking throughout this series about things that we think are in the Bible, that um, they may have some glimmer of truth in them, but there's no passage that says God works in mysterious ways. This phrase actually came from a hymn or a a poem. A hymn is like a song that we would sing, kind of like this last one that we just saying how deep the father's love it was written in 1773 by William Cowper and here's how one of the stanzas goes God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform he plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm and this is something that we have just sort of gravitated towards. You you may have heard this, this is a good looks good on a bumper sticker, maybe on your Instagram or Facebook page, especially when you're thinking about, hey, I don't understand what God is doing in this moment. That's when we really bring up a phrase like this. When we don't understand what God is doing, we might say to ourselves, we might say to somebody else, well, God, God works in mysterious ways. Um, and the main reason we might feel like this, we, the main reason we may feel like God is mysterious is this we aren't God. We are not God. And so, yes, I think in a lot of ways, God really feels mysterious. I've had lots of conversations with lots of you and, and lots of people over time that we've said, man, that's a mysterious kind of moment. We don't understand what God is doing in that moment. We don't understand what God is doing in that situation, in that experience, in that season of life. And so we say, boy, that's pretty mysterious. But what we've got to first admit is that part of why we think it's pretty mysterious is because we aren't God. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says it like this. And this is this is um, this is God speaking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, or neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When Job, if you know Job, one of the guys who suffered the most in the Bible, when he when he tried to ask the question of why is this happening to me, God, I don't understand this. God said to him, hey, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? In other words, Job, you're itty bitty and I'm very big and and, and it's kind of mysterious because I'm so big and my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And we have to approach this type of thinking with a bit of humility, more than a bit of humility, because we have to understand that we weren't here when God formed creation. We, we don't really fully understand how God hung the stars in the sky. Science hasn't figured that out yet exactly, right? They keep studying it and studying it and studying it. I was having a conversation with somebody earlier this week, and if scientists, scientists actually had it all figured out, they would just say, we're done, we figured it out. But they keep studying for some reason, right? Because it's, there's more and there's more and there's more. They see more and more of the universe each and every day. They're astounded by more things each and every day. The more that science advances, the more and more incredible this creation is. And the more we recognize that we are not God, that we don't have a grasp on his reality, that if we really measure a perfect, infinite God who has like no limitations to his thoughts, right? He has no limitation to his power. He has no limitation to anything that he can do. Our thoughts are not his thoughts, right? If God is unlimited, the word for us is limited, correct? Right? So we have to approach this with a a sense of humility. and, And we have to recognize first that, yes, there are probably some things that feel mysterious to us, but we're not God. And I want to go further with this this morning. Because I don't think the Bible is all about God being mysterious. I actually think the heart of the Bible is about God revealing himself to us. I think the heart of this life that you've been given is all about God revealing himself to you. This is not a game of hide and seek where God is like, I'm going to hide. Let's see if you can find me. See, this is a picture of God chasing us down to every moment, every breath, every experience, everything we have have seen in this life, we have read in this life, we have heard in this life. It's all pointing to some one. It's all pointing towards God. Um, If if you really do a word study on mystery, I did this this week and it was very interesting. If you do a word study on mystery in the Bible, most often it's coupled with another word, which is no, like not, not N-O, but K-N-O-W. And, and the New Testament unpacks it like this. Ephesians 3 verse 5 says that you may understand the insights and mysteries of Christ. Matthew 13 11 says you have been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And on and on it goes, especially through the New Testament, talking about all the mysteries that God has revealed to us, that he has made himself known to us and that it doesn't just remain a mystery, even though something seem mysterious. And so this morning, I want to talk about three ways God reveals himself to us. Uh, it's probably more four. There's, there's a fourth one. But we're going to go through three, and then we got one that's like more important than the rest. Does that make sense? So we'll do three kind of minor points, and then we'll do a major point. Three ways God reveals himself to us. First, Scripture. Scripture. Romans 10. If you're turning along with me. Romans 10. 17 says this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The word about Christ. See, scripture is one of the most primary ways that God reveals himself to us. The word's of scripture reveal the nature of God, who he is. And so it's important for us to gather around these words in this book, not just on Sunday, but each and every day of our lives in Deuteronomy, um, right before the 10 commandments, they talk about having the word of God always before them tied to their wrists and attached to their foreheads, that they would talk about when they're laying down and when they're standing up and then when they're walking on the road, that the word of God would always be before them. And that is still the same for us today. Scripture is the primary way where God reveals himself to us. And it's important for us to gather around these words, around your tables, in your offices. Maybe you listen to them in the car. Uh, a sermon on a podcast or as you go to sleep, one of the habits that I have, um, I love listening to sermons. I told you last week, you know, I know you're just like me. You, you like to read old sermons from like the 1700s, because you you and I were like, we like that, right? I have another habit, and that habit is, I like to go to bed listening to sermons. I, I did it this week. I, I don't remember exactly what night it was, but I was like, man, I just need to hear the Word of God. I need to hear somebody talk about the Word of God, and I, I put in my earbud in one le- eye, ear because I lay on this ear, and and I listened to this pastor start talking about the Word of God in a specific passage, and it honestly, it just soothed me to sleep. Like it just—I know that this happens to you on Sunday sometimes, right? You just like I'm getting getting tired for some reason because it's just so soothing to my soul. And the pie auction was a late night. Um, that was for some of you who were there. And if you—if there's pictures circulating of me wearing a Tom Brady jersey, didn't happen. I'm just maybe it did. Okay. Whatever your habit around this This is what we've been talking about this year Making scripture come to life For us Say, what does it mean for scripture to come to life for us if we want to hear the voice of God? If we're serious about hearing the voice of God, then we have this entire book, this book that has stood the test of time. I mean, this thing is incredible, written over 1500 years by over 40 authors, 66 books. It is an incredible, incredible book, and it speaks to us. And so, we have said we want to hear the voice of God, we said we want to, we want God to speak for we are listening, and this is the primary area where God reveals himself to us. So I just want to, I want to encourage you and challenge you. How are you doing? We're in February now. How's your reading habits going? Have you committed yet to a plan? If you haven't commit to a plan, go online, find a reading plan, go to bible.com and figure out a reading plan. Get yourself in the word of God. If you say, Brian, I want to hear God's voice in my life. This is a great, great place to start because God reveals who he is in these words. Um, The main reason we study the Bible is to hear God's voice. And so scripture is an incredible place for us to understand how God is revealed to us. Second, creation. Turn with me to Romans 1, 20, Romans one twenty. for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. That doesn't sound mysterious, does it? They've been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Creation speaks to us. Somebody you said this this morning, right? I mean, look at this. Come on. Are you serious? Like, I, I, I get it that, that there are those out there that say this is a big accident. But honestly, I don't get it. I don't. I don't get people who think that this is all an accident. That the air we breathe is an accident. That we just happen to be on a planet that is just the right amount away from the sun. It's not too close to the sun. It's not too far away from the sun. If it was a little closer or a little further away, no life, right? If there wasn't water on the earth, it there wasn't what we have in terms of our ecology, uh, we, we wouldn't have life on this earth. If all these little things, it's called the science of fine-tuning, actually. There's, there's these hundreds of little things that if, if the earth didn't just have the right size moon, and if it wasn't just a right a place in the solar system, it, there would be no life here. And so science actually points to this, that God's creation is overwhelming. It's incredible. And there's this thought out here today, sometimes it says this, creation and faith, they can't go together. Like, that you got to pick a side. And I do not believe this. Okay? And if you're propagating this, we should have a conversation, because I disagree with you. I don't think that science disproves God. I don't think that science is ever going to disprove God. In fact, I think that science should make us go, wow, that's how God did it. Right? I think that every time there's a discovery, we should claim that discovery. We should say, wow, that's incredible. Isn't that incredible? Like I said earlier, scientists have not stopped and said, we figured it out. We got it. We don't need any more. We're done. And they're not going to. Because the more they study, the more they find out. The more complicated they figure out that life is, the more they have to study. And science and faith can go together. We can say, wow, look at this incredible creation that God has made. And some Christians have painted this picture that I think is erroneous. That science and faith are in conflict. Yes, I would say there are those, there are scientists out there, and they're not being honest, and they're definitely not being humble when they're saying, we've got it all figured out, because then you should just hang it up for the day, right? And there are also Christians who say, we've got this all figured out, they should hang it up for the day too, right? I mean, we should be in the same boat of humbly saying this creation reveals more and more and more about what we don't know. And it amazes us more and more and more each day. We shouldn't be so arrogant to say we've got the corner on this. We've got this all figured out because if you think you've got it all figured out, guess what you're actually saying? You're actually saying, I'm God. I got this. I have figured this all out. And if God is unlimited, what are we? Okay, thank you. See, God whispers to us about his eternal power and his divine love in these moments that take your breath away. Let's just, let's go past science even. Who of you has been up on that peak and just said, wow. Anybody? Raise your hand. Come on now. I mean, every time I go up Challenger or the tram or even other parts on the mountain, I, like I, one of my favorite things to do, take a backpack, my Bible, my journal, hop up there. Everybody thinks I got my Ava gear. Nope, it's my Bible, actually. Um, I don't do avalanche stuff. So anyway, I'm not that good of a skier. Um, but I'll sneak into the trees and I'll find a spot where I can, I can take a look at, at, at this ridge line. I can maybe see back into the Madison Valley. And every single time I do it, I'm like, wow, look how big this is. Look how amazing this is. And I'm inspired. Something deep within my soul comes to life. I mean, part of, part of the reason some of you moved here, maybe, maybe you won't, wouldn't have said it this way when you moved here, but part of it is that you moved here because this place inspires you. You moved here because the views are breathtaking and the experiences of this place just blow you away. And every sunrise and every sunset and every spectacular snowstorm that comes through and the summers, which last for like two weeks and are awesome. um, It all blows you away, right? See, creation, it points us to a creator. Uh, creation hints at something, someone greater who is in control. And, and I don't think it's a mistake that we live or are visiting in one of the most beautiful places that points to the creator. We should embrace this for God is revealed in his creation. So scripture, creation, experience. Number three, Experience. I don't have a specific verse here, and some of you are like, "Well, Brian, you should check with the Bible, right?" I should, Um, but here's why I don't have a specific verse for this. This book, let me help you. This book is filled with human experiences. It's filled with them. It's filled with stories and letters and poems and history. And it's all connected to God and his people and his creation, right? And so, so, I mean, you can take a guy like Abram. Abram is at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. And Abram, Abram's experience is this. Um, he's an old guy who has not, had any children so he has no legacy he has no heir and suddenly these three strangers these visitors who might be angels might not be angels come show up and say hey your wife sarah is going to have a baby and they're like well we're past the prime of that my friend right um but if you know this story sarah gets pregnant with a baby an heir, a legacy. And, and one night God calls to Abram and says, Hey, come on out of your tent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you stare at the stars for a little bit. I'm going to have you think about counting the sand on the shore. I'm going to have you engage in this experience and look at this creation. And this is what he says to him. I'm going to make your descendants like the stars in the sky. And like, like the sand on the beach. You are going to have lasting descendants and they're going to be my people in fact i'm not gonna I'm, gonna I'm gonna i'm gonna change your name to abraham from abram i'm gonna give you a new sense of identity i'm gonna put a new name on you i'm gonna rewrite your story i'm gonna ask you to do crazy things like leave the comfort of the country that you know and you love and go to a new place I mean, this is just a a snippet of Abram's or Abraham's story. And the Bible is filled with stories of experience. It's filled with moments where God reveals himself to people and either they respond or they don't, right? Either they hear his voice or they don't. And here's where I would challenge you in this idea of experience. I think that every single thing in your life is meant to reveal God to you. You say, Brian, the hard things? Yes, the hard things. And, and I know, I'm aware that this is difficult to hear. I, I was I was chatting with somebody, uh, and we were actually we we're skiing together. It was fantastic, and we were talking about the sermon. And um, and I asked him, like, in your human experience, when are moments when God has become the most real to you? And, and Um, one of the folks that I was skiing with, she said, um, in the really hard moments, I said, okay, go further with that. Uh, Now, this is somebody that has experienced incredible loss. It's her story to tell, so I'm not going to tell the whole story, but like big, big, big loss. Things that shouldn't happen, things that don't make sense, things that you might want to say, oh, God works in mysterious ways. And this is what she said. She said, over time especially past the really hard season of life, God proved himself faithful to me. He never went anywhere. He never changed. When I was up, when I was down, wherever I was, he proved himself to be faithful to me in my human experience. And I think all the joys in this life and all the suffering in this life, all the beauty and all the pain, I think all of it is meant to reveal God to you. I think the relationships in your life are meant to point you to God. Now, in some of those ways, it's really hard. Sometimes it feels like you're getting hit with a two by four by God. Correct. Right. Right. Can we be honest, some of us need to get hit by 2 by 4 Right, we just don't listen that good? See, I think God is just speaking to us, speaking to us, speaking to us. This is why we're doing what we're doing this year. We want to hear the voice of God. We believe that God wants to speak. We're not listening, so we hear nothing. We are listening. We are are asking, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, because we want to hear the voice of God. And I believe that God is chasing you down. All right? I've, I've used this picture before, but I love the word surrender when we talk about a Christian walk, when we talk about a life with Jesus. Because I think Jesus is passionately chasing us down each and every day of our lives. So, scripture, creation, experience. And then the biggest reveal of all is this. Jesus. The biggest reveal of all is Jesus. Go with me to John. John chapter 1. We'll go to verse eighteen, but I'm I'm actually start at at the beginning. Um, John is probably my favorite gospel account of Jesus, and and here's how it begins. In the beginning was the word. Um, harkens to Genesis. In the beginning was the word, and the word was the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And you might ask yourself, well, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? The word became flesh. We'll get to it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. We're talking about John the Baptist here. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He moved He moved into the neighborhood, some translations would say. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning this. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And out of his fullness we have all received grace In place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son. Who is himself God. And is in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him What's the word? Known. Not mysterious. He has made him known. See, I believe that Jesus is passionately pursuing us. And I believe the only great response to that is then passionately following him as well. Step by step, in line with what he is saying and doing. See, you hear this all the time and I'm going to keep saying it. We don't believe in religion at Big Sky Christian Fellowship. We believe in relationship. See, see, religion, it's all about you. It is. It's about, I got to do A, B, C, and D, and then I get whatever the reward is. And so then if I can just get a corner on what A, B, C, and D is, and I can figure out what it is, then I can be in the good camp. And then I get to be the good kid, and then I get to have the good rewards. And all the people who don't follow A, B, C, and D, they're the bad kids who live in the bad camp, and they get the bad reward, right? That's religion. Relationship is much more complicated, complex, and beautiful than that. Jesus invites himself to be known and to know God. You. One of the deepest things we need in our lives, one of, one of the deepest desires of our hearts is to be known, truly known. Many of us walk around each and every day and we know that nobody actually knows us. That we walk around and, and we have a certain persona or we have a certain a personality or people know us for being a mom or a dad or working at this certain company. And our identity gets kind of messy and we say, hey, do I, do I even know who I am? And the message, the good news is this. Jesus knows you and he is God. He was there at the beginning of creation. He, he knew you before you knew yourself. When you were being knit together in your mother's womb, guess who was doing the knitting? Jesus. He knows everything about you and he wants to be in deep, uh, intimate relationship with you. And and, and that might be scary. That might be scary. Like, if we be honest, one of our deep desires is to be known. But then there's this other desire in us to not be known. Because if you knew me, you may not love me. See, Jesus both knows you and he loves you. No one has seen God, but the one and only son who is himself. God is in the closest, what's the word? Relationship with the father. We are here because we are about relationship, relationship with each other and relationship with God. And so if you want to come to me with questions about Brian, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I hang out with these people? Should I not hang out with these people? You know what I'm going to often say to you is this. Why don't you go talk to Jesus about that? Because we're not talking about religion here. We're talking about a serious, honest, intimate, loving relationship with the creator of the universe. Here's the big idea. We're going to circle back to this. I said the listening to Bible tip of the week was read with Jesus colored glasses. Every time you open this book, you should look for Jesus in every single story of this book, you should say, where is Jesus? You know, you, you got a where's Waldo book, right? Remember those? You open it up and you're like, where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? Where's Walda? This is how you should read the Bible. This is how you should look at life. This is how you should look at creation. You should put Jesus glasses on and you should say, Jesus, where are you today in this conversation? Where are you in this business meeting? Where are you in this moment? When I'm reading your word, where are you in this moment? When I'm praying to you, where are you, Jesus? Because I know that you want to be known. You have made yourself known. And to know Jesus is to know God. And my deepest desire for you is not that you would become better, more religious people. My deepest desire for all of us in this congregation, and every congregation, honestly, every church, everywhere, would be that we would love and know Jesus better. i ask the worship team to come up and lead us in one last song. See, Jesus knows us. He puts himself on the line for us. And and he wants to know you, and he wants to commune with you. And so I want to give you a moment to do that. I want to give you a moment to uh, just commune with God. So we're going to sing this beautiful song called Love on the Line, which speaks of the beauty and the love that Christ has for you. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to just sit and listen And then if you feel inspired to sing, if you feel inspired to stand, great. Um, But I want to just give you some space and time to be with the creator of the universe because he wants to be with you. Heavenly Father, your ways, we admit, are, they seem very mysterious sometimes. We don't understand what you're doing a lot of the time. and, um, And yet, we know that you have revealed yourself to us. We know that you want to be known. We know that you speak. And so we want to hear your voice. So God, in this moment, in this time, would you meet with us? Would you commune with us? Would you speak to us? Would you not remain hidden, but would you reveal yourself to us? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.